Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 12. First Chronicles chapter 12, and um, that's where we're going to begin and, and pretty much camp out tonight. Uh, as I said, we're going to continue uh, in, in the vein of, of warfare. So we've been going through the series on Sundays, Born for Battle. Um, how many of y'all have been enjoying that? I've been enjoying this, that if you've been here on Sundays or Wednesdays, um, you know, as Pastor Todd said, I just, it, it's been such a great flow on Wednesday nights too. the other pastors that have been uh, preaching just a, a, something like he said, not only to teach, but as you know, we're wanting the, the church to engage in. Uh, but let me say this. How many of y'all have been experienced or realizing that you're in battle now? That if you've been, I know for me, the, like the last three nights, I've either couldn't go to sleep or I fell asleep and wake up. You with me, brother? I've talked to Pastor Rob and I, you know, I'm just, you know, me and Pastor Kelly was laughing about this because uh, Pastor Rob said the same thing. Like the first two nights, you know, like when you can't fall asleep at night, you're really tired. You know, your tendency is you want to like try to hurry up and go to sleep. That don't work, right? How are you going to hurry up and go to sleep? You're trying to hurry up, you're not relaxing. Are you like, Pastor Kelly said, you're like <laughs> trying hard to go to sleep. You know, you get all aggravated and you just, so the first two nights I did good. Like I fell asleep and then something woke me up. My wife woke me up and, you know, and, and I know it was, you know, and so then I had a hard time going to sleep. I was like, it's cool. I'm going to just, you know, take it easy. I'm going to just, you know, relax. It took me a little while. It seemed like I didn't check the time because how many of y'all know that makes it even worse? If you check what time, oh, 12, 1, 1, 32, man. So I didn't check the time. It felt like a couple hours. But then last night I blew it. Last night I got so aggravated. I like, cause I was so tired last night. I was so ready to go to bed. I got to bed early and I still couldn't fall asleep. And I felt bad. I had to apologize to my wife cause she's sleeping good and I'm getting up. I'm tossing and turning. I'm like, you know, you know, breathing all hard. And so she woke up and she's like, how you doing? I'm like, um, you know, was tired and you know, and whatnot. And I was like, how you doing? She's like, oh, I'm okay. I said, did I wake you up? She's like, well, you know, she was trying to be nice. Like, it's like, ah. Oh. I was like, I'm so sorry, but I'm saying all that to say, I know this is all, this is residuals from what we've been preaching and teaching and going through. Amen. Once again, you're going to, you're going to kick up some dust and you know what? I rather lose a little bit of sleep and know that I'm gaining ground on the battlefield. Amen. Cause going back, you know, as I'm just saying this, I'm just thinking, you know, if you know anything about war, a lot of times when soldiers in war, they don't get a lot of sleep, right? Sometimes they have campaigns where they're staying up for days at a time or they're, they're in a camp and the enemy attacks and wakes them up. So it, it's, that's all part of it. But be encouraged. Keep going. Amen. Amen. And you know, y'all have heard, you know, Pastor Ty was talking about, uh, Tanya's, uh, you know, event last week and she mentioned it Friday and he mentioned it Sunday. You know, that's all we just seen it. You know, it's, it's all, uh, you know, uh, in correlation. But once again, I don't, I want to encourage you. I guess I'm just starting by saying that don't get discouraged because that's like I talked about two weeks ago. That's the enemy's tactic is to, to, to intimidate you and to try to get you off track, to try to, to try to, you know, whisper in your ear, Oh, well, if you, if you would, you know, stop all this war and then praying and worshiping and things would get better. First of all, you know, he's a liar, right? It may seem like things are getting better, but it's really not. You know, on the surface, once again, he's a liar and the father of lies. So I just want to encourage you on that. You know, it's like, I, you know, you know, I know these things are going on around, even in the staff and the church, but it's worth it. Amen. As that song says, it's going to be worth it. Right. Y'all with me, right? All right. Okay. First Chronicles in chapter 12. Um, 
the, during this time in First Chronicles, there was something very special that was happening in Israel. Uh, the reign of the greatest king that ever lived in Israel uh, was beginning, and that was King David. Obviously, apart from King Jesus, the King of Kings, the greatest, you know, uh, uh, mortal king, so to speak, was King David. Was 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 King David, and so the transition was starting. He was just taking over all of Israel, and so. I mean, it was, it was an exciting time. Something very special was happening in 1 Chronicles 12. Uh, the author starts listing David's warriors by name, by number, and their special skills. So 1 Chronicles 12, 23 says, we'll pick it up where it says, these are the numbers of armed warriors who joined David at Hebron. They were all eager to see David become king instead of Saul, just as the Lord had promised. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your provision. And that, uh, Lord, that, that even in the midst of the battle, we still know and we stand on that no weapon formed against us shall prosper nor succeed. Father, that you are with us. You are, uh, you are victorious. You are fighting our battles. I thank you that, Lord, uh, we love you. Uh, and I thank you that you are empowering us to continue to take ground, to move forward. Lord, as we surrender and abandon our, our, ourselves and our lives to you, let it not just be during a set worship time, but every day of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we see here it says that the men were eager to be a part of the promises of the Lord. It says that these men were eager to see David become king just as the Lord had promised. So they were eager to be a part of the promises of God. But, you know, they were also eager to go into the battles that come along with the promises. We see here every promise and in promises there's going to be there's going to be battles. And I always go back to the promised land. God promised them the land, but what did they have to do? They had to fight to obtain it, right? Now, there's some promises, some blessings God just blesses with, but there's other times he promised the children of Israel the promised land. He promised them Canaan, but he also said, now go and take the land. And so these men, once again, now moving forward, that's back in, in the time of, you know, you know, Exodus and Numbers with Joshua. You know, now as David's taken over from Saul, these men were excited about the promise. They knew that David was, was the next king. Matter of fact, if you read before, it says that, you know, they were excited about being the king. He said, we all knew you were going to be the king. Some translation says, you've already been leading us. Like Saul was the king, but you was really the leader. And so they're excited that he's coming into it, but he was also eager to take part in the battles. So the author starts listing them tribe by tribe. One tribe in particular stuck out to me as I was reading this. First Chronicles 12, 33 says, From the tribe of Zebulun, there were five, I mean, sorry, 50,000 skilled warriors. They were fully armed and prepared for battle and completely loyal to David. I want to read that part again. They were fully armed, prepared for battle, and completely loyal to David. You see, all 50,000 of them were skilled warriors. If you read the first couple of chapters before, you'll see, you know, it talks about David's mighty men. He had like three, like was as bad as dudes, the mighty men. And then they had the 30. And then, but all, even in these warriors, uh, it said that all 50 of them, every, you know, every tribe, uh, was laid out, uh, different and it t- talked about their different skills. As it said, these, these 50,000 skilled warriors that he had. So he had a, a bunch, but he had some that was the elite. I, I begin to think about, uh, the special forces that we have in our modern day, uh, United States military. I started thinking about like the, the army rangers or the navy seals. These guys are like the baddest of the bad, right? 
I mean, the, it, it, not just uh, anybody can be a part of the special forces in the military. Uh, there has to be unbelievable training. Anybody that's ever been in the military knows. I just, I just know this just from watching documentaries and just watching it is like makes me tired, you know? Just watching the kind of extensive training they have to go through. Just a couple of things I wrote down was that, you know, just like to be a Navy SEAL, you have to have an ultra high IQ. Like you, one of the biggest things they were saying about like SEALs and Army Rangers is that you have to be so mentally tough. Most people don't get past even that, the mental training of being in the special forces. Uh, the physical training is also rigorous. Uh, they, they do things like they almost drown you or they wake you up at two in the morning and uh, keep you up all night just to, to run and do all kind of drills and whatnot. Um, if you're a sniper, for instance, you know, snipers have always fascinated me. If you're a sniper, they said that snipers have to be trained to lay in the same position, literally, same position, not roll over, not like, oh, let me get comfortable. Literally lay down flat in the same position for days. Same position without moving. That means going to the bathroom in that same position. Y'all following me? And, and that's, that's what they're trained to do. But you see the outcome of having skilled warriors in the U.S. military. You remember a couple of, uh, it's been, a, I say a couple, it's probably been a few years, maybe even four or five years ago. Now maybe, I don't remember, you remember a few years ago there was these pirates that had hijacked, uh, this, this ship. I think there were Somali pirates. They had hijacked this, uh, this ship, uh, as the authorities started coming after them. Part of them being the Navy SEALs, they broke off into a smaller vessel and there were two pirates left with the captain in this small vessel. And so once the U.S. military got there, you know, uh, the Navy SEALs got there and there were two Navy SEAL snipers and they were on like the big, the big barge. And there was that little small one that was bobbing behind. And I remember just hearing about this on the radio and those two Navy SEALs got set up. And I'm, I'm, this is, you know, a little graphic, but it's, it's reality. It's war. And, and, and you know, and they, these two Navy SEALs, you have two ships that are, you know, going up and down in the sea. You got two Navy SEALs ready. They have one captain and two pirates. Both of those seals got ready and locked in on their targets. At the same time, they gave the command. Remember, two ships moving up and down. They gave the command, one shot from each of those guys simultaneously took care of the job. The captain was safe and those two guys were eliminated. You see the kind of skill that the, all this stuff pays off, you know, I mean, it, I, I miss, you know, when I'm trying to shoot ducks and doves with a shotgun and there's BBs going over, I still miss. Talk about a single shot on, on moving boats. Y'all, y'all following me? But I'm using this illustration to say there's something about special skilled warriors, special training. Y'all tracking with me? There's something about that. In First Chronicles, you know, uh, two, 12 and 33, in First Chronicles 12, you know, um, it gives us some insight. You see, because uh, not every every Christian is ready to be a part. Just like everybody in the military can't be a part of this special. Not not every Christian is prepared. You know, we have a special mission here on earth, right? One, it inclu- the first thing is includes getting as close to Jesus as we can. Our intimacy with, intimacy with the Lord. Reaching the lost. Staying pure and engaging the enemy, right? So not everyone is ready to do this, only those that are warrior ready, that are warrior ready. I want to encourage you tonight to be warrior ready. The second part of 1 Corinthians uh, Chronicles 12, 33 gives us some insight in this. You see, the writer notes in each tribe uh, the point in which it was most admirable for every tribe. That's why he, he lists, and you can read through there, and you see a few things that they were skilled with, like spears or, or like maybe bow and arrows. But for this, it says three things about this particular tribe. It says that they were fully armed, they were prepared for battle, and they were completely loyal to David. 
As I looked at that, I believe we can learn these three things as well to be warrior ready when it comes to spiritual warfare. Amen? Number one, you must be fully armed. You must be fully armed. You know, and, and obviously we can't go through a warfare series or vein without talking about the armor of God, right? I believe Pastor Ty is going to talk about this in more detail in the coming weeks. Uh, I'm just going to go over it in this one point. I'm just kind of skim over it tonight. But obviously the first thing I think about when I read this is Ephesians chapter 6. A lot of us are familiar with this. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in his dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Listen to this. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Amen. Isn't that a good verse? Be encouraged. If you're in the midst of the battle and you feel like you get knocked around, you know, as you get prepared, as you get warrior ready, after the battle, you're still going to be standing firm. Amen? Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This phrase, the whole armor, like it says in the King James, the New King James, put on the whole armor. It's taken for a Greek word that refers to a Roman soldier who is fully dressed for armor from head to toe. Leaving nothing out from head to toe. The following is a list that I'm going to read uh, is the basic military uh, hardware each soldier would possess. It's not exclusive, but the ones that he named these major ones is what it meant. The loin belt, the belt that he talks about. This is the central piece of equipment that held much of the other pieces of armor in place. In Ephesians 6.14, Paul tells us that the believer is to equip, be equipped with the loin belt of truth, referring to the written word of God. And I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in the next point about being prepared. The truth, having the written word of God, being prepared. I said that two weeks ago. That's the ammunition, right? The sword of the spirit. Remember, everything else is a defensive, which we're going to go. Everything else is a defensive uh, uh, um, uh, piece of armor. The sword is your only offensive piece, right? So that's the belt of truth. Second part is the breastplate. This is a crucial piece of weaponry that defended the heart and the central organs of the body against attacks. In Ephesians 6.14, Paul informs us that in our spiritual arsenal, we have at our disposal the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. I like how it says it protected the heart and the main organs. I'm, I'm, thought, I'm thinking about the scripture that says, you know, Jesus said, guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. Right? We must guard our heart. We must protect our heart of what goes into it, what we get attached to. We talk about, in, 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 in you know, deliverance, about soul ties. You gotta guard your heart of what you allow in. And you gotta protect it. The blessed breastplate, pray, oh my gosh. Breastplate of righteousness. That's how I know when I'm starting to talk too fast. Cause I can't get, you know, a word out like that. The breastplate of righteousness. The Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You must protect your heart. Uh, talking about lies, about the lies of the enemy. And we're going to talk about that more, about the helmet, how the enemy comes out. You got to remember, 
that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. I can remember when I first got saved, uh, the guy that I was working for, and at the time he wasn't a Christian, he is now. But I can remember he had, he was just, you know, just a form of persecution. He was coming at me after I got saved. And I remember one day he asked me, he said that I, I made a comment that was not politically correct and all kind of stuff. And he said, Brandon, you, you, you consider yourself a righteous man? You consider yourself a righteous man? And I remember at the time thinking like, and I think I said like, well, I, I try to be, you know, because my equation with righteousness is doing the right thing all the time, right? But I didn't understand at the time until I started reading the word, understanding the word that the righteousness of God in Christ means when you get saved and you're, you're in right standing with God. It's not, if I mess up tomorrow, I'm not in right standing anymore. No, when you got saved and give your life to Christ, you were justified. And that means it was just as though you had never sinned. So now that you're justified, you're in right standing with him. Amen? And so, you know, the, knowing that we are the righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean we can just go and sin all we want and we find. That's not what it means. But the Lord understands, we knows that when we sin, when we, we mess up, we all do. Everybody does. We are the righteousness of God. We are still in right standing. Yes, we need to go repent. We need to ask God to forgive us. But you know what? When you understand what righteousness is, you can strap that thing on and it protects your main arteries in your heart. That way, your heart can't be uh, tampered with, so to speak. If that makes sense. Amen. This next one is very interesting. I've read over this many times until one day I was studying about the shoes. It says the shoes of peace. These, but listen to this. Listen with the, 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 the sandals of the gospel of peace. Some translations say, listen what these shoes really are on a Roman soldier's arsenal. The shoes were heavy duty shoes that were covered with thick leather on the top and fitted with hobnails on the tip of the toe and on the back of the heel. They were also heavily spiked with nails on their undersides. These are the shoes in Ephesians uh, uh, 6.15 Paul makes reference to when he talks about putting them on our feet, being the preparation for the gospel of peace. Now, Now stop. Did you visualize that? We're talking spikes coming out the front, a spike coming out the back, and big old spikes underneath. And those are the shoes of peace. That don't sound like peaceful shoes to me. When I read that, I'm like, what in the world? Paul might have just had a bad day or something when he wrote that. Maybe he was a little bit off. No, but as I started studying it, what he means is the sandals of the gospel of peace. We just experienced that tonight. And I didn't even think thinking that even as we just felt like that's where the Lord wanted to go. But the peace we talked about tonight, what it means, those big spikes at the bottom. It means when you're in the thick of battle and you got, you know, you in the war and you got, you know, all kind of crazy stuff coming at you and you're, you're, you're in the thick of stressed out, worry, you're battling, you feel like you're under attack. You know what? Those big spikes help them to dig in. So guess what? The peace of God helps you to dig in when you're in the thick of battle. Amen. That's why he says the sandals of the gospel is a peace. Those big old long nails at the bottom would help them dig in whenever they're swinging swords and, and battling. You got, like we experienced tonight, that's why I believe the Lord wants to go there. You got to experience that peace so you know when that peace comes upon you, literally all hell can be breaking loose around you. But still, that peace causes you to dig in, it sustains you, and it keeps you going on. Amen? And it's nice they got a spike in the front and the back too, so when the devil comes, you can, you know, Take care of business as well. But the main thing was for them digging in. Amen. Allow the peace of God to help you to dig in in the thick of the battle. Amen. 
The shield, the shield that the Roman soldier used in battle was long, door-shaped, and covered with leather hide. It was lubricated every day by the soldier to keep it soft and flexible so that arrows that struck the shield would slip off the side and fall to the ground rather than penetrate the shield. In Ephesians 6.16, Paul declares that us as believers, we are specially outfitted with the shield of faith. Therefore, take the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the evil one. Amen? So once again, the enemy in war is always firing things at us. The shield of, you gotta be fully prepared. The, the, I mean, I mean, fully equipped, fully armed for battle. I love how brother Jim said it years ago. I heard him say that. That's why, you know, it said you have the, the, the sword when the, 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 the enemy throws these fiery darts at you lift up the shield to stop the fiery darts and you use the sword to come back offensively. Amen? With the word of God. That's exactly what Jesus did. The helmet. The helmet of a Roman soldier, uh, made either of brass or some other type of metal was especially fitted to the shape of the soldier's head, thus protecting the head from receiving a mortal wound from an arrow, a sword, or an axe. In Ephesians 6.19, Paul proclaims that the good news that God has provided for every believer with the helmet of salvation, he's provided this for us to protect us against the mental assaults of the enemy. And this is where most battles begin and take place is right up here. Right? That's where most of our battles take place. And I love how it says that it was specially fitted. You know, your helmet fits you perfectly. Your salvation is a perfect fit for you. You notice how everybody's testimony is a little bit different? God found them, found you in a different way. God called you in this area. God, you know, I used to tell the youth all the time whenever I was a youth pastor, they would say, oh, man, I don't have a good testimony like you. And I said, well, listen, if you're and just speaking to, to, to those of y'all that maybe grew up in church or anybody else that might be older that grew up in church, like, well, you know, because they hear like me and Pastor Kelly's, you know, uh, testimony about being out there and drugs and, and alcohol in the world and all that. I'm like, listen, if you grew up in church and you still serving the Lord, that's a powerful testimony. Amen. That's a powerful testimony that fits you perfectly. And so when the enemy, you know, comes at you, you, you got to have on the helmet of salvation. You got to remember as he throws all these lies and all this deceit, you got to be assured in your salvation. You got to just like the, 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 the peace helps you to dig in that, that your salvation, knowing that I'm saved by faith through grace. It's not of my own works. The Bible says, amen. So it's nothing, it's nothing that I did to get it. So there's nothing I can do to lose it. Right now, listen, I'm not, you know, we can get into the whole, like, you know, once saved, always saved. I'm not talking about that. You can walk away from the Lord. Right. But what I'm saying is there's nothing, no mistake. That's too great for you to lose it. If you're concerned about losing your salvation, you're not going to lose it. Right. Cause your heart's in the right place. Cause you're wanting to be right with God. Remember your helmet, the helmet of salvation fits you perfectly. And that's to protect us from the battle in the battlefield of the mind where most of it starts and most of it takes place. Are y'all tracking with me still? All right. And the last one, the sword, I kind of went into that a little bit, but obviously once again, these are all defensive. And the last one is uh, the only, but the most powerful offensive weapon, the only offensive weapon that we need uh, when it comes to the armor of God is the sword. The Roman soldier's sword shaped similarly to a long dagger that was intended. Listen to this. This is cool to be used in close combat and was absolutely indispensable in his ability to attack, overcome and defeat the adversary. 
In Ephesians 6, 17, we are taught that Paul, uh, uh, that every believer has the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword is God's word, specially quickened inside of us, is to be used in times when we are in close combat with the adversary. I love that. It's more like we think of like the big kind of Excalibur, like King, uh, who's King Arthur, you know, like the big King Arthur sword. But really, when he talks about the sword, he said it's more like a lone dagger. It's more like hand-to-hand, you know, close combat. And so it goes back like when the devil gets all up in your face, you got the sword of spirit to kind of jab him or to shank him. That's the word I was looking for. Amen? Come on, there ain't two violence. It's all about shanking the devil, right? And his demon. We're talking about warfare. I'm trying to give you, you know, mental, physical illustrations here. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, maybe because I am. But it's a, it's a dagger. It's more have that picture. That's what's so important about the word of God. You see, once again, the greatest illustration of this in the Bible is Jesus in the wilderness, right? The devil comes to Jesus, begins to tempt him. Tempt him. They're doing warfare. Every time he uses the word of God, he uses the word close combat, hand to hand. That's what's so important, once again, about knowing the word and knowing how to use the word of God. A sword don't do you any good if you don't know how to use it. I actually have a little sword that's similar uh, to that. It's a little cane sword I got on our first mission trip. We went to what the lady called the men's bed, bath, and beyond. It was a store full of swords and knives and guns and all kind of cool stuff, you know. And so I got this little sword. It looks like a cane, and you could actually walk with it, but then you unscrew it, and it turns into this big dagger, you know. So that's kind of the, the picture, you know, that I have. It's pretty cool. So I'll tell you a little funny story. One time we were sitting in my house. Me and my wife was, because uh, I, I, I was ready to use my sword. I'm sitting in my house one night watching TV, and uh, Joa was just a baby, so all we had was Joa. Me and Cassie, man, all we had was Joa in our first house. And I'm sitting there watching TV. Cassie's taking a bag, and I hear this loud, boom, on my window. I'm like, what in the world was that? At the time, I didn't own any firearms, so what did I do? I went and grabbed the sword. I went to my, I went to my, ran to my closet. I unscrewed that thing. It's not even really sharp. I mean, he's got a guy's point on it, but I'm walking outside. I'm like, all right, I don't know what that was. And I'm, you know, I didn't hear no gunshots. I'm guessing they don't have a gun. I don't know what I was thinking. So I walk outside with this sword. I'm just like outside, like, what was that? I'm like accessing the situation and ready to, you know, I guess stab somebody if they were trying to hurt my family, you know. And I was so ready. And then I saw who and what the aggressor was. It was a water balloon that a kid threw in my house that had busted on my window. It was like on the ground just with water and it was a balloon. So I tell Cassie that and she's like dying laughing. She's like, I can see these little kids like went running hot down the bushes and they're like, look, he got a sword. It's like, you know, they probably laughing. I threw a water balloon and dude came out with a sword. So, but I was ready to use it. That's the point, right? That's the point. I had my lone dagger and I was ready to use it. Hey, come on. The devil throws more at us than water balloons, right? And we got to be ready to pull up our, our shield, block it, and come back with the sword. Amen? So number one, you must be fully armed with the armor of God. Number two, you must be prepared for battle. You must be prepared. It says here in 1 Chronicles 12, 33, that they were fully armed and prepared for battle and completely loyal to David. You might think, well, if you're fully armed, you are prepared. Well, not necessarily. You can be fully armed and not be prepared. You know, you can have all the armor. But you can get caught off guard, right? You can get caught off guard. You know, uh, 
we just talked about this. So one of the greatest ways you can prepare yourself is to, to know and to apply the word of God. I, I love this and I just got a different take on this. I've, I've, you know, used these couple of scriptures quite a few times in talking about preaching the gospel. And obviously that's what it's first foremost talking about is preaching the gospel, but talking about being prepared. Second Timothy two, uh, I'm sorry, four two. Second Timothy four two says, preach the word of God, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. You must always be prepared to preach the word of God to the enemy. To the enemy, whether you feel like it or not. What you talking about, Brandon? Once again, isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus preached the word to him. He said, it is written. It is, you know, the enemy tried to say it was written. Jesus came back and said, no, it is written. Do not tempt the Lord your God. He was preaching the word to the devil. We got to be ready, as Paul says, to preach the word to the enemy. You got to be prepared to do that. Now, this does apply, as I said in the beginning, one of our missions. And listen, part of warfare is preaching the gospel to the lost. You, you, you've, you've, you probably all have family members that are lost that, that need to be saved and know how hard it is when you're praying for them and when you try to present the gospel to them. Isn't it some of the hardest people for us to witness to is those especially that we know? Right? Come on, Miss Clara. For our family members, our friends, that's like the hardest people it seems like to, to get across to, to get the gospel to. But you know what? We must be prepared. You see, it's warfare. We have the Bible says to make the most of every opportunity. You know, so part of we got to be prepared to preach the gospel to the enemy. But also, like I said, part of our special co-op mission here on the earth as saints of God is presenting the gospel to the lost as well. And it says, be prepared whether times are favorable or not. I actually looked more into that scripture not too long ago. And whether, whether you know, be ready in season and out. Like, And I always thought, like, man, I, I got to be ready. What if Pastor Todd asks me to preach on a Sunday morning? He actually did one time. He had lost his voice for encounter. I walked up here. I was just like, okay, Sunday morning, cool. Here to, you know, do the Sunday morning, you know, greet people, pray for people. I walked in. Hey, Pastor, how you doing? He's like, hey, have you ever preached somebody else's sermon before? I'm like, huh? He's like, man, I'm losing my voice. And he's like, if I need you to, I'm going to just give you my notes and you're going to have to jump up there and preach. I was like, <clears throat> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. You know, and I always started admitting like that. And I was ready. I mean, the first service he made it through, I was going line by line like, oh, come on, Holy Ghost, help me. And he didn't end up needing me to do it that Sunday. And, and it does mean that. But ultimately, you know, what, what, what Paul uh, was telling Timothy at the time, you got to understand like the history of the church at the time, when he was telling Timothy that, he was, you know, uh, uh, Timothy, they had just went through one, they went through explosion of, of growth from, you know, get, you know, the of revivals as breaking out, but then under Nero, all these Christians started getting persecuted, thrown to the lions. So when Paul was writing at the time, it was under great persecution. And that, that translation actually, the words actually mean, be ready to preach the gospel in good times and in bad. When things are going good and when things are rough. Because, you know, it's easy not to be prepared in both. When things are rough, then you just, like, consume with you, you forget about the loss. But when things are going good, we forget about the loss, too. Man, everything's great, man. Things going great at church. Things going great at home, man. We just, you know, so we got to be prepared. Whether times are good, bad, hard, or going smooth, we need to prepare to preach the word to the lost, to our loved ones, and also to the enemy. Amen? First Peter 3.15 also says, put in your hearts... But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you and to give the reason for the hope that you have. Once again, you know, you must be, be prepared to answer any questions about Christ to people and to the enemy. If you remember, Eve wasn't quite ready to give an answer to the devil. Remember back in the garden? Did God really say? He, she asked, her, he asked her a question. 
Did God really say that you can't uh, touch or even look or not, not eat or not even touch? Oh, no, no, he didn't. He didn't say that. Eve wasn't ready to give an answer to her adversary and it cost her dearly. Still costing us today. See, when, the, when, when you get in God's word, you understand God's word and the enemy comes to you. Do you really think you can do this? You met, do you really think you got to be prepared to give the answer? Amen. To the evil one, to the father of lies. Yes, I can. Because you know why? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Because I'm a blood-bought saint of the living God. Because I've been forgiven. Because my Savior's risen. Because my Redeemer lives. Amen? So yes, devil, I can. You must be ready to give the answer once again from the Word of God. And once again from people. When people ask you about the Lord, you must be ready. Be prepared. And listen, and, and on, that, on that note about you know witnessing and the loss and whatnot. Because witnessing is warfare too, right? Remember, this is a battle. We talk a lot about right now doing warfare in our individual lives and our families. But but witnessing is warfare, evangelism. It is warfare. Pastor Todd used that 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 um that illustration that day about when they were on a mission trip, going around witnessing and praying. How this little boy manifested into a snake and was hissing. And we've all seen a lot of us have been on mission trips, and you you and, and crazy things happen, you know. And uh, you know you you got to be prepared. You got to be ready. And listen, it's okay if you don't know the answer. To say, you know what, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out. It's okay. Don't, don't act super spiritual and, and preach out of, you know, Ephesians chapter 9. It ain't in there if you don't know that, okay? And so, you know, it, just say, you know what, I'm not, that, that's a great question, but I'm going to find out for you. You still can be prepared. You can go get prepared and come back, amen? But make sure you have an answer for them when you come back. Amen? Y'all follow me? All right. And number three, and the final thing, and very important, it says in 1 Chronicles 12, 33, they were fully armed and prepared for battle and completely loyal to David. Last week or two weeks ago, when I talked about, you know, uh, you know, a few or a many warriors, and I said, you need somebody that's going to war with you, that's going to be loyal to you in the war. Remember we talked about that? Number three tonight is you must be completely loyal to authority. You must be completely loyal to authority. He says they were completely loyal to David. It didn't matter. Just like Jonathan's armor barrel, as we talked about two weeks ago, was completely loyal to Jonathan. said, I'm going to go. All these soldiers, this particular tribe, 50,000 of them were completely loyal. Because you got to remember, he's just taken over the kingdom for Saul. So they had people that were loyal to Saul, came from Saul's uh, bloodline, and people from David. But they were all completely loyal to David. You must be completely loyal to spiritual authority. Being loyal and submitted to those in authority is a key to being victorious in battle. I don't think y'all heard me. Being loyal and submitted to those in authority is the key to being victorious in battle. You know, going back to the special forces, those guys in the special forces, they're one loyal to their country. They obey orders that are given, even if it costs them everything. How many of y'all have seen the movie Black Hawk Down? That was a real account of something that really happened. I remember years ago, I actually watched the documentary on the History Channel before I saw the real movie. And the movie was actually very accurate. It was like, you know, sometimes they say, you know, Hollywood takes it. But I remember watching, talk about not being able to sleep. That There was some very disturbing images from that, uh, the real account of what happened in Somalia back then. I'm, that was one night I was tossing and turning like crazy because just the images of of what happened out there. But I'll never forget as the, the guy, the pilot, one of the pilots, the, 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 the Black Hawk that went down, 
as they went down, and I think he was maybe the only surviving pilot. I don't remember one or two. He was one of the only ones, and he was given the real-life account of these – there was army rangers that, that, that came in to, to, to rescue them. So he's down, and there's all these, these, these uh, Somalians all around them, you know, just, you know, surrounding them, shooting. It was crazy. These two army rangers came in on a helicopter and rappelled down right in the midst of these, this uh, pilot – and both of these army rangers, that was their orders to go in and to, to provide cover for this pilot and try to get him out of there. Well, they just dropped them in there and they were coming back to get some more reinforcement. They just dropped them in there to provide some cover. They dropped them in there as they start trying to war off these, these, these Somalians. He said he could hear one of them saying, I'm out. I mean, he said, as calm, as calm as I'm talking to you just in this voice, he said, I'm out. And he heard him drop dead. He heard the other one say, I'm out too. And he just dropped dead right there. Those guys knew they were going. I mean, it's just as calm as can be. They were trained to, you know what? I'm loyal to my country and to my commanders. They say go and provide cover. I'm not asking questions. I'm going. And it cost them their lives. That's a good picture of being loyal and submitted to authority. That's what all guys, any of y'all, I want to I wanna thank you again. Any military, any veterans in here. Come on, let's, any veterans in here, let's give them a round of applause. I want to thank y'all. It truly is a blessing because I know all of y'all, you don't have to be in special forces. When you signed up, that's what you signed up for. But, you know, the military, the, the natural military can teach us a lesson in the spiritual military. Amen. When they sign up, they know they're signing. I'm going to go and do whatever my commanding officer tells me to do. Right. How should it be any different in the army of God when the, the king of kings, the commander in chief of all commander in chief, so to speak. Gives us an order and we go and we know he's on our side. We know that the, the battle is ours. Listen, the good news is that God's authority he places over us provides a covering for us during the battle. This is what's so good. Listen to this scripture. If you didn't write any scripture down tonight, write this one down. Psalms 140 verse 7. It says, oh God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. Isn't that good? You have covered my head in the day of battle. When we get under spiritual authority, it's a covering, right? When we get on, you know, the lone rangers get picked off easy when it comes to spiritual warfare. When you get under, you might, yeah, you might feel it. You may get some, you know, some blows here and there. But when you under the covering of spiritual authority, you have that covering in the day of battle, just as David said. You know, God's authority provides a shield for our lives, not only spiritually, but parent, children, your parents provide covering for you, husbands for wives, pastors for sheep. That's all coverings that God has given us, authority that he gives us in the battle, right? You know, like, like a couple of nights ago when my wife heard a noise in the middle of the night and woke me up. And I was already sleeping. She woke me up. I was like, what? What is it? And she wasn't sure what she heard. She thought she heard something. I sat up in bed and, and we started praying together. We started warring together, right? We started rebuking. I mean, I went to check the house to make sure it wasn't, you know, anything or anybody. When it was that, I couldn't figure out what it was. We just started warring. We started praying, right? I wanted to cover my wife in battle. Amen? So that way she doesn't have to get up in bed all alone at night and try to do that by herself. I try to provide and I do provide a covering for my wife. So whether it's your parents your husband, ladies, are all of us, spiritual authority. Remember, we're in the cover. When we move into rebellion, we give Satan legal ground to be present, and no amount of spiritual warfare will move him. Let me say that again. If you're in rebellion, you can war till the cows come home and pigs fly all at the same time. And you're not going to move Satan out because you've given him legal ground when you've got under, when you're in rebellion to spiritual authority. 
the greatest scripture for this, and a lot of y'all know it, 1 Samuel 15, 23, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Let me ask you a question. Is witchcraft God's weapon or the devil's weapon? So if you're operating in the rebellion and it's just like witchcraft, whose side are you fighting on? Come on, two plus two is still four. Amen? So let's make sure that we are totally loyal and submitted to our authority. Amen? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. You know, it also says in another translation uh, in, in second, uh, I mean, first Chronicles 12, 23, instead of saying they were completely loyal, it says that uh, these men were not double hearted. They were not double hearted. You know, I want to end tonight by saying, you know, we can't be double hearted about loving and serving the Lord. You can't serve the Lord one day and don't serve him the next and expect to be victorious in battle. We got to be completely loyal where we started at tonight, completely surrendered, completely abandoned to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Supreme Master. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me as we close? Come on, let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have, Lord God, given us everything that we need to be warrior ready. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every single one of us out here tonight, every single person, Lord God, that as we, we went through these, Lord God, that they might say that, you know what, I haven't, I, I, I haven't been ready. I haven't been prepared. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Come on. I want you to begin to pray. If you haven't put on the full arm of God, if you feel like you're getting beat up, I encourage you to go to Ephesians 6. Come on. Begin to put these things on. The, the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Lift up the shield of faith. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the shoes of peace. Lift up and swing that sword, that dagger. Amen. Come on. Let's, let's get equipped. Let's get prepared every day to put on the full armor so we are next thing prepared. We must be ready, prepared in season and out. Listen, even whenever this this series is over, we're not just doing battle. That's what Pastor Todd's heart is not to just do battle during a warfare series. It's to help you, prepare you, and equip you to be able to do warfare the rest of your life. Amen? Come on, ask the Lord right now. Lord, continue to prepare me. Continue to get me warrior ready, Lord. Continue to prepare me for the battles that, that are, that, that are gonna, that, that are raging around me right now and that I'll face in my life. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for those that, Lord God, not yet have not uh, been here, not yet been warrior ready, Father, that you would help them, show them how to pull on the form of God, how to be prepared, that their hearts would be prepared, Lord God, that their minds, that their wills would be totally abandoned and surrendered to you, which is the last thing I want to pray about. You know, as I was talking about this last thing about being totally loyal to authority, you know, you might you might have some sort of rebellion in you. You might have some form of rebellion in you. And through this, Pastor Todd said that a lady actually came up to him Sunday and apologized, you know, for for rebellion that she had towards him. She didn't even vocalize it, but it was just inward. And she had to repent and apologize. Come on, let's pray right now. Come on, search your heart. Just It might just be inward. Maybe there's something where you've had rebellion in your heart towards spiritual authority if you're if you're a teenager if you're a child in here baby you've had rebellion in your heart you have rebellion in your heart towards your parents right now come on ask the lord to forgive you ask repent and ask the lord to forgive you 
whatever it is, whatever kind of authority it is, that's our covering. Ask the Lord right now, forgive you. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for any rebellion. We know rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Father, we want to be free. We don't want to give the devil legal ground. Lord, we know that the battle's thick enough already without just opening the door and letting the enemy walk right in. So, Father, I repent, my God, of any rebellion, my God, in my life or in behalf of anybody else, Father. In the name of Jesus, we come in agreement and we want to be submitted to our authority, submitted to Pastor Todd, and surrendered to you all the days of our lives in Jesus name in Jesus name one last question every head bowed every eye closed as we as we close out tonight as I talk about being prepared and being ready come on are you ready tonight are you ready to meet your maker are you ready do you have that that helmet of salvation on do do you have access let me say that to the helmet of salvation salvation have you been saved have you given your life to Christ Jesus came down died on the cross for our sins took our place I read in Galatians this morning that he loved us and he gave ourselves himself for us he gave his life because he loves you so much have you received the free gift of salvation if you say Brandon I don't know if I'm ready if I die tonight I don't know if I'm ready I want to be warrior ready but I don't even know if I'm ready Lord, to, to, to go to cross over to the other side I need to get right with God if that's you come on just slip your hands up let me see your hand if you say I need to get right I need to be saved I need to be born again I need to come back to the Lord is there anybody out there that says I need to get right I never okay I see your hand brother anybody else anybody else Anybody else? If that's you right now, just lift up, slip up your hand. Say, we want to we pray for you. Father, we thank you for those of you with your hands up. Come on, just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for dying for me. I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I thank you that you have made me ready, that you are making me ready for heaven, that you have given me, Lord God, the, the helmet of salvation, and that now I can put on the rest of the armor. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me, saving me, and setting me free. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you pray, come on, give, yeah, give the Lord some glory.